Welcome to the Textile Magazine Issue 2 Special on Midtown Radio. My name is Shalaka Jadav and I'm the Community Manager with Textile Magazine. In this broadcast, you will hear from local Waterloo Region authors as they share stories and poetry from Textile's second issue, Spaces. Spaces is available now in print and online at textilekw.ca. Textile's mission is to provide mentorship and publication opportunities for emerging writers and artists. If you'd like to learn more, you can catch us at textile underscore mag or check us out at our website, textilekw.ca. Enjoy the broadcast. My name is Seema Abzara and I'm a multidisciplinary artist. This is my poem, Enigma, and I wrote it a couple of years ago. And this is uh, inspired by kind of emotion. It, uh, it talks about longing and separation and hearing. And because I am uh, very much, I, I love reading about space and um, astronomy and space fog and uh, um, uh, NASA and from very very early age, I was very much interested in uh, in reading things about um, astronomy and what astronauts look like and what do they do in space. So back in at that time, there was no internet. So I had one of my uncles was in in an airline company, so he would get stuff, uh, reading stuff for me from you know. Sometimes from United States, some from sometimes from uh, UK. So he actually brought me a picture of Neil Armstrong with his actual signatures on it. So this is a poem that I wrote because there's a lot about celestial objects and you know space and galaxies, but it's actually about uh, separating from someone you love so deeply that you get a feeling of loss, and then you feel like you're lost when you don't get to see those people. Enigma. What mystery do you hide in your inability to endure a dream that is empty of my existence? Now I am in disbelief, for you have become the Earth and I a distant planet in a galaxy beyond the Milky Way and the abundance of this subtlety is far greater a tragedy than a planet leaving its orbit, getting lost in the unknown. Hello, I'm Nitika Sakharwade. The title of my piece is Aji, Between My Fascia Hides Grief. I wrote this piece a few years ago and I had performed it in the preliminary of the Canadian Festival of Spoken Word 2018. 
and it's been edited since for textile. This poem is about the death of my grandmother. I lost both of my maternal grandparents quite close uh, to each other in time uh, when I was quite young. And as an empath, I was holding the grief in my body for all these years. Um, and this is my way to come to terms with the grief and allow it to heal in, in the way time allows it to. Aji. I get homesick for places I've never been. Space between grandfather's fingers, caressing grandmother's forehead. Space between her thoughts as she lay, unable to move her limbs. Space between his love and ground bills poured into her wanting mouth. Space between mother's VHS camcorder, capturing life, reeling away. And the quiet hours he spent under an angry sun, building cement pots. I get homesick for places I could have been, but wasn't. Space between her frozen facial expressions and her laughter, which I have inherited. Space between falling body and wet ground, changing everything. Space between Pandara, where she lay amongst kin, and Nagpur, where I waited, unaware of morality or death. Space between her smiling eyes, gently fading. Space between life and death and death. I get homesick for places that have disappeared before I was born. Space between grandfather's pen and the curves of a poem drifting on a sheet of paper. Space between grandmother's hands and the skin of a brinjal. Space between a swinging ladle and the aroma of smoked bharat. Space between her arms holding me and her eyes meeting mine. I get homesick for places I have already been. Space between mother and father laying in bed. Space between mother's quiet tears I swallowed and their embrace. Space between the earth beneath my feet and Bandara and a storm effervescing within my heart. Space between clear blue sky and thunder. Space between stillness and tears kissing the ground. pen name Tommy A and the piece I will be sharing with you today is titled The Bitterness on Your Tongue. 
Um, I wrote this piece in part as a response to the Black Lives Matter protests of June 2020, and also in part because I, at the time, and still now, was struggling to find my place as a Black immigrant in the Black experience in North America, which I would say it's sort of a very unique place to be. I was just really trying to understand precisely what it was I was supposed to be doing and what it was I needed to be thinking through. So uh, without further ado, I will be reading The Bitterness on Your Tongue. The Bitterness on Your Tongue. I am listening to Nina Simone sing Strange Fruit and I am trying to sleep. And all around me float visions of black bodies swinging in the southern breeze and wide-eyed on the bed of the Atlantic Ocean and hidden in caves and gullies back in the forests of Ikiti. And all of them begin to speak and they are exhausted and expelled. My ancestors, they say they are. Some sold into slavery, never to see my family again. Some descended from the enslaved, lynched for white satisfaction. Some dead, trying to escape a worse fate, never found, never rested. And I cannot tell them that I have no fear of the forces they feared. And one by one, they break down in tears, and I cannot cry. I have none left to give. For two unhappy weeks, I lived in London, Ontario, with three men in a bungalow close to Western University. One night, we were woken by a roommate screaming. Suddenly, he burst from his room, and we wondered whether the wildness of his eyes and the coagulating spit at the corners of his mouth meant that he was having a reaction to something he had taken. Another roommate, someone he had yelled at the previous night, was now asking him to calm down. Relax, take deep, easy breaths. In response, he threw something at our roommate. The situation was quickly becoming dangerous and eventually a decision was made to call the cops. Two officers arrived, a man and a woman. They walked in while my roommate explained the situation to them. I was standing dressed in slacks and an old shirt in the right corner of the room and Gary, the enraged roommate, had temporarily retreated to his room. Upon entering, the male cop looked at me and immediately began to draw his weapon. Do not move, I thought. Whatever you do, do not move. My eyes never leave in his hands as I saw the matte black instrument reaching slowly towards me. And then hearing my roommates frantically explaining that, no, it was not Tolu. That's not the person. That's our other roommate. You have the wrong guy. Are you sure? The man's voice said, tense like a stretched catapult. Yes, yes. The sound of a door opening and my head moving against my will and my brain thinking, fuck. I'm moving to die. Gary came out, a small Asian person with spiked hair and shorts. I turned my head back to the gun and cop who looked at me and began to lower his arm. His partner's face relaxed, seeing the little Asian kid. Despite his powering down, the male officer kept his eyes on me. Holstering his gun, he asked Gary if he was feeling okay. This naked fear of blackness is everywhere. People betray their entitlement and malice towards black people with a scant glances and snide looks. Crossing to the other side of the road, 
reaching for a weapon. The impunity of whiteness is exhausting. Our cities and towns are burning with righteous anger. Even in the middle of a pandemic that the world is pulling together to overcome, I am always reminded that bodies like mine remain the most disposable. My partner wakes from a nightmare and says, I dreamed we had a child and it died at the hands of one of my brothers and even I, in my full grave, could not save it. And my ancestors say, in a voice as still as death, if she, a white woman, cannot guarantee the safety of your child because it carries your blood, then tell me, who will free us? And Nina Simone sings, here is a fruit for the crows to pluck, for the rain to gather, for the wind to suck, for the sun to rot, for the leaves to drop. Here is a strange and bitter crop. Ivontego. I named my poem Skin because it's what society focuses on and not the multi-layered attributes that form my personality. I use the one-word title to drive home that point. Sometimes it feels like people talk to my skin and not to me. The poem expresses my pride and joy about who I am and my frustration at being constantly judged by the color of my skin. Skin. My skin is a beautiful gift, not a sin. But in this foreign land, they don't understand that my skin is my pride and joy. In this foreign land far from home, my skin is a source of angst caught in the crosshairs of racism. I live in it. My skin, the color of Mother Earth, glowing in the rays of Father Son. I wouldn't move out, even if I could. I love my skin. But in a world obsessed with the superficial, my skin is judged without mercy. I feel it in my bones. So much hate, resentment, and discrimination against a skin color I did not choose. But my color is only skin deep. And my skin is a gift from God. My melanin rich skin, a blessing to celebrate, not a death sentence. But here in this foreign land, I am guilty 
by virtue of my skin. At the store, may I help you is code for I'm watching you. On the bus, at the garage, in my own neighborhood, I get the look. What's she doing here? To the police, my skin spells trouble. My skin is not a curse to be condemned. My skin is fine mahogany, ebony in its pure form, unbowed and unbroken. I strut in the skin of kings and queens. I stand tall in my skin of kings and queens. special on Midtown Radio. My name is Tyra Ford. I am a third year English major at Wilfrid Laurier University, and I will be reading from my personal essay, A Plate Away. I actually wrote this essay during one of my courses. It was on creative nonfiction, and I was inspired to write about my family and my love of cooking that I received from them. A Plate Away. My grandparents have lived in the same three-bedroom house in Cambridge since they emigrated to Canada from Bridgetown, Barbados in the early 1970s. Whether it was a paint job or a complete remodel, the house went through many changes over the years. Every room was transformed by my grandfather's sense of purpose, all except for the kitchen. It's not as though he hasn't had time. The second floor guest bathroom has been renovated twice, out of boredom. He hasn't bothered to replace the white lace curtains above the kitchen sink that are now as yellowed as the old refrigerator, or the broken bar stools that are one slice of rum cake away from collapsing on an unsuspecting guest. He hasn't touched any of these things because while the house may be my grandfather's duty, the kitchen is my grandmother's domain, a sacred place. Thanks to her, I grew up in the kitchen. My parents and I lived with my grandparents for four years while our house was being built and my brother was being born. We lived in the basement only a staircase away from the sights, sounds, and smells of my grandparents and their Caribbean heritage. I have never been to Barbados, but I have been to my grandmother's kitchen, and a difference has yet to be proven. We don't live in my grandparents' house anymore, but visit at least twice a week. The door is always open, and the stove is always on. When the door opens and the smells from the kitchen waft through, The large maple tree that drops keys down the driveway 
becomes a swaying palm, and the dull gray concrete steps by the front door turn into hot golden sand. Aside from one clock in the shape of the small avocado-shaped island, my grandparents have no other material reminders of home until my grandmother opens the oven and pulls out the memories. Life back home is not a frequent topic that falls from my grandparents' lips, save for in discussion about the cold Canadian winter or when my grandmother is cooking, the only connection left to the Caribbean. They only venture back home once every few years. Usually a trip is only organized to refill their inventory of flying fish. They never refer to Canada as home. They also never call Barbados a vacation. Their connection between the two countries hangs in the balance and lives in the kitchen. While my grandparents love life in Canada, the trip home is never more than a plane or a plate away. Encouraged by my father, my grandmother taught me to cook and instilled her favorite Caribbean recipes in me from an early age. From fried plantains to fish cakes and souse, she shaped the sun-soaked island with only a few ingredients. Breadfruit will never taste like french fries to me, no matter how hard my grandmother argues, but it resembles the lazy breakfast with tea before donning her Sunday best and heading to church. The warm stovetop cider made from Sorel will always make my tongue curl, but hearing of Christmas in the Caribbean and the other treats served always makes me smile. The kitchen may transport my grandparents back to the island, but it transports me back to my childhood. In 20 years, this kitchen hasn't aged a day, but watched me grow up. This kitchen is where I choked and nearly lost my life to a hard candy from a Christmas parade. My grandmother was babysitting me, and I foolishly swallowed a peppermint the size of my palm. My grandmother turned around to find me wide-eyed and mute. She scooped me up, leaned me over the sink, and promptly pounded my back. All these years later, I still remember thinking she was spanking me out of anger. That is, until the green perpetrator shot out of my throat and shattered against the sink. She recounts this to me once or twice a year when we're sitting at the island counter on the rickety stools watching the television above the kitchen table that never displays anything other than CP24. A headline will flash about a tragic accident or injury and her heroism will justify her hounding me to get my first aid certification. I still haven't been certified, but to this day, I haven't eaten hard candy again either. Outside the kitchen window is a perfect view of the vast garden below the raised deck, another of my grandfather's retirement projects. My grandparents have always loved gardening, and in recent years, the yard has been overtaken by carrots, snap peas, strawberries, and herbs. There is a photograph of me and my grandmother picking sunflowers from a stalk that dwarfed me in size. The buttery yellow petals of a sunflower are impossible to find in Barbados. Yet my grandmother used gardening to connect to her new roots in her chosen life in Canada. Somewhere between the backyard garden of flowers that the island couldn't grow and the comfort of the kitchen that belongs somewhere on a beach, these two worlds collide. These two worlds and the place between them is my home 
and my family history. So when my grandmother serves supper and my mouth savors the different flavors, I can almost taste the sand, sunflowers, and maybe even a little hard candy. Hello, I'm Nitika Sakharwade. The poem I'm going to share is called, Did You? It's called a contrapuntal poem, which has two columns, and you can read it as a whole, but you can also read each column separately. And uh, it's about the pauses in life. Uh, often we are always moving from one thing to another, uh, rushing into spaces. And this is a poem to... Take, take a breath, take a pause. Did you look within, listen to your heartbeat, feel pauses, rhythm lives within you, in breath, language made from the sheet music, letters and spaces, adorned with rest. Did you pause to notice? Did you pause to listen? to gaze at slanted sun cradled on the wall, the sarso crackling, to welcome dandelions swaying in the wind. Did you waltz, pause every two beats? Did you dream today, listen to your heart, smell the coffee, pause before you sipped? Take a moment, did you? Thanks for listening to the Textile Magazine Issue 2 special broadcast on Midtown Radio. To read our publications, learn more about textile, or get in touch with us, please visit our website at textilekw.ca or on Twitter or Instagram at textile underscore M-A-G. Thank you so much for listening to the Textile Issue 2 special broadcast.